I want to speak with you this morning about the gospel reading, the parable that our Lord taught. I've spoken with uh, most of you a number of times uh, about my method of sermon preparation. And, and sometimes I think, which, I, which as I, in a nutshell is, I try and share with you what I've been learning throughout the week. But there's a problem with that description because it probably makes it's, it's the whole process sound a lot more pious than it actually is. The, as I was driving to church last night, um, the battery light in my van uh, came on, battery warning light. And I kind of ignored it because there's all sorts of, it's an old van, so there's all sorts of lights on the dashboard that come on and sometimes go off for no apparent reason. Uh, so I just kept going and kept going. And then completely unexpectedly, well, almost completely unexpectedly, because at least I had that little bit of warning, <laughs> which I was ignoring, the van just died. Well, the, the, the windshield wiper started going really slowly and the lights started getting really dim. So I, I did have time to like pull over to the side and, and park the van. And, and, but, you know, I wasn't planning on my van being dead on the side of the road. Uh, uh, just like the, 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 the guy in the parable who has all the stuff. Everything's going really well for him. He's got lots and lots of stuff, so much stuff he doesn't know what to do with, that he's, he, he's, he's sitting and he's, he, uh, or think, uh, he's thinking to himself, how am I gonna deal with all this stuff? <coughs> I know, he says, I'll pull down my barns and build bigger ones, and then I can say to myself, eat, soul, you have much goods laid up for many years, eat, drink, and be merry. And of course, God at that point says to him, completely unexpectedly, this very night, your soul is required of you. Then who will all those things that you've stored up be? We don't know when we're going to die. We do know that we will all die. Unless God comes and, and, and takes us to be with him. We happen to be lucky enough to be at the very end of time when everything's going absolutely horribly <laughs> and he comes and takes us up. Other than that, all of us are going to die and we don't know when. But that's actually not the point of the parable. Because... Well, we tend to spend a fair amount of time disguising that fact from ourselves uh, and, and ignoring it, you know, ignoring the little warning lights that come on the dashboard. Uh, um, this is something everybody knows. The point of the paragraph is actually, uh, parable is, is actually more about um, where it comes from, the, the, the context of it, which we don't get, actually get in the reading. The, the, the context for this particular parable is uh, a, a young man who comes to Jesus and says to him, Lord, tell my brother to split the inheritance with me. So presumably his brother is refusing to split his father's inheritance with him. Um, and the... Um, 
and presumably there's some kind of injustice there. You know, brothers don't always get along. Uh, and uh, and the, the, this, this young man wanted Jesus to intervene on his behalf and, and bring justice to the situation. And so in response, Jesus says, tells this parable, which has nothing to do with justice. Rather, it has to do with our attitude towards all of our stuff. And he used that phrase advisedly, our stuff. We tend to think of it as ours. This is mine, and that's somebody else's, but this is mine, and this is mine, and this is mine, and I have, wow. Every now and then we actually look around and realize we do have plenty of stuff. And our tendency is to think of it as ours and to get complacent about it. We have a surplus. What are we going to do with that surplus? And our first thought is generally, I'm going to spend that surplus time or that surplus money or that surplus uh, or, or, or enjoy the surplus stuff that I have for myself. We've just started St. Philip's Fast, or uh, as better known in, in, the, uh, in, in, the, in the West, the Advent Fast. The church has four major <coughs> fasting periods throughout the year, plus we have Wednesdays and Fridays on which we fast. The fast is intended to be disruptive. It is intended to disrupt our normal routine. It is intended to communicate to us by that, by that disruption that our time is not our own. That we don't live by bread alone. And that we ought to be thinking of others. Because the fast is not just a time for not eating certain foods. The fast is always about three things. Prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And we need to be reminded of these three things. Prayer, because, well, our rule of prayer tends to deteriorate. Our commitment to a rule of prayer maybe is, is a better way of putting it, tends to deteriorate. And so we need a point in the year that reminds us that our time is not our own. That we are to be ultimately in communion with God. That's what we were made for. And so we need to spend some time with God. And so we should make sure that we, that, that we are paying attention to and renewing our commitment to our rule of prayer. Fasting reminds us that we don't live for the stomach. 
as Paul said, food for the stomach and the stomach for food, but God will destroy them both. So ironically, uh, as, as I've shared before, uh, those of us who are, are converts to orthodoxy, which is most of us here, um, uh, tend to, to focus more on food during the fasting period because we have to figure out how do we make that rather bland, tasteless stuff taste more delicious. Uh, and we're actually kind of missing the point. The point is to spend, if we can, less time thinking about food, more time thinking about God, prayer, and about others, almsgiving. Almsgiving it can be thought of as giving money to the poor. So like when you're, when the guy, when you're walking down the street and you run into somebody who, who is you know, one of those annoying people who are there asking for money, well, you should probably dig into your pocket and bring out your change. Oh, wait, we don't have change anymore. Everything's done with plastic. Okay, well, that's a convenient excuse so that we don't actually have to give to people. And then we go away feeling kind of guilty because, well, should I, shouldn't I, shouldn't I? I don't know. I'm not going to actually tell you one way or the other whether you should or should not have given to that person. The question really isn't about whether or not they deserve it. Uh, the question is, what's the state of your heart? But more than that, almsgiving is actually a lot more than that. It's actually about simply caring for the other person. Taking that surplus that you have, that God has blessed you with, whether that be a surplus of money or a surplus of time, you naturally want to go and play video games with, well, I do, uh, 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 or a, a surplus of uh, uh, you know, whatever it may be, a talent, uh, um, and then looking around for ways that that could actually help those around us, starting at home, starting with the people that you live with, starting then at work with the people that you work with. Because I mean, when the question came, as we heard last Sunday, who is my neighbor? The basic answer is whoever God brings you into contact with, who is in need, that's your neighbor. So the fast is intended to be disruptive so that we, it, 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 as a way to kind of systematize something that really can't ultimately be systematized. Because while we can engage in prayer and fasting and almsgiving, we can totally engage with them with a horrible heart. The, uh, um, after I got the tow truck guy to um, <coughs> drop me off, at uh, the gas station, which was of course closed because Saturday evening, and uh, uh, I thought, oh, okay, so I guess I have to take a taxi to get to church because, you know. so I, I never take taxis. Uh, so I, I know nothing about taking taxis. Um, and the, the taxi driver comes up and he, uh, he, he pulls up and says, okay, well, um, uh, can, can you pay up front? I learned later on as I'm Googling it. It's like, oh, yeah, this is actually normal practice. Uh, so I, I guess I can pay up front. Sure. How much is it going to be? 90 bucks. It's like, what? 
this is why I don't take taxis. $90 up front? So, so, but yeah, here's the guy, the taxi is, and I'm, I'm in the taxi, and so I feel like, okay, well, I guess I don't really have much choice. Uh, it's like, can't walk to church. Uh, so, okay. Give give him take out my plastic and swipe it and or tap it and uh, and okay great and we were driving down the road and all of a sudden it occurs to me wait a second there's this thing called a bus it's a lot cheaper and and it's just like right over there so uh, I, I I asked the taxi driver so oh actually you know what I could you could just drive me to this bus stop over here and I could take the bus like there's this massive big exchange where there's lots of buses there'll be one that takes me into Vancouver it may take a little longer but that's okay I can wait for sushi uh, since I'm not gonna make vespers um, and 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 uh, and the guy says no I can't do that. Like, what? I mean, didn't you just tell me that, that like, you wanted a, a, a deposit up front? You can refund my deposit, right? Oh, no, no, can't do that. I was just going to, like, if it was wrong, I was just going to give you some money, but I only have 10 bucks. Here, see, he opens his wallet. See, there's only 10 bucks. It's like, okay, this seems like a scam to me. <laughs> like, since when do you tap your card and not have somebody be able to, you know, uh, refund your money. It's just an electronic transfer. So I actually don't know whether the guy was scamming me or not. It could, it, he could, maybe there's like company policy or something that he's not allowed to do that. But I spent the entire time, that entire ride from the um, uh, Maple Ridge where, I, where, where my band got dropped off into Vancouver in silence fuming, looking on my phone, Googling it to see what were my consumer rights, <laughs> thinking about taking pictures of the guy's ID in case I want to lodge a complaint, to complaint against it. Contrast that with my ride with the tow truck driver. He was, you know, seemed like a nice guy. Uh, he, he came, he didn't have to charge me any money because I have BCAA, uh, and so, uh, you know, it was it was a nice, easy, easy exchange. Nice. I, I spent the ride from where the van broke down to the garage, chatting with a tow truck driver, finding out that he's actually a, an auto mechanic. He's kind of fallen on hard times, so he's doing tow truck driving, and it's really work really sucks because he has to work like 18 hours a day and really, really low pay. So he'd kind of like to go. So I got to know him. You know, it's like typical Canadian conversation. He's complaining, but that's okay. <laughs> I get to know a little bit more about him. The point here is that we get so caught up with justice <coughs> or injustice that we neglect what, is actu what it's actually all about, what cannot be systematized, what the whole thrust of Jesus' teachings and the church's spiritual disciplines are designed to try and push us towards. It's actually about our relationship with the other person, with the neighbor whom God brings us into contact with. And do I treat this person, whether he deserves it or not, do I treat this person with love? as if he was someone made in the image of God.
because if we want to be rich towards God, if we want to invest in that which lasts, the only thing which lasts beyond the end of this world, beyond death, is our relationships. That's what it's about. That's how we need to store up riches in heaven, be rich toward God by loving our neighbor. So we need the reminder, and thankfully we get the reminder over and over again. That's why we have homilies in church. That's why we have the spiritual discipline of fasting, which includes, of course, prayer and almsgiving. That's why we come together with all of these wonderful and annoying people and call them brothers and sisters. Because as we are doing this, as we are building these relationships, we are investing, investing in something which lasts beyond the grave, something which God made us for, that reality, the kingdom of heaven, which is in the background, which has been backgrounded by our sins, but which can be foregrounded again, which can be brought to the forefront simply by loving our neighbor. May God keep reminding us of this and may we keep listening that we might respond in love and humility to his glory. The glory of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.